0: This podcast may include adult content. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories Investigation by Brian Bice and No Heroes by PDR Lindsay. Bound Off is always looking for great stories. Visit our website at boundoff.com to find our submission guidelines. While there, check out our news blog. You can also find links to us on Facebook and MySpace. Also on our website is the Bound Off Bookstore, in affiliation with Amazon. There you can purchase the book Best American Fantasy 2008, featuring Matt Bell's Mario's Three Lives, which we published in issue number 11. Investigation, written by Brian Bice, read by Dave Robinson. Listening time, 3 minutes, 7 seconds.
1: Investigation, by Brian Bice. My wife stopped me before my coat was off. She held the phone against her chest. It was her father on the line. He called himself Alex. He lived in Chicago. He wanted to finally meet her, and he'd used a private investigator to track her down. I asked her how she knew it was really her father. She put the phone to her ear and asked the man that same question. She listened, her hand on my shoulder. The name fits, she said. Mom always talked about Alexander. I made a face. He could have just found that out. She nodded and told him just that. While she listened, I slipped past her and into the kitchen to make our tea. He described my mom and told me about her snoring, she called from the entryway. She was too worried to move, obviously. Lots of women snore, I called back. In our house, which is actually just a flat, we like loose-leaf tea. The kettle was about to whistle. Then I put the tea right in and let the whole pot steep. My wife, used to tea bags, was slowly being educated. He told me her middle name and knows where she's always wanted to live. He wants me to come out there. Is he willing to pay for the flight? We could drive, she said. I'm not going to go. She walked into the kitchen and looked at me. I can't go without you, she said. I put the leaves in the pot. Well, is he willing to pay the gas? She shook her head now. I pointed to my temple and mouthed the word, think. She looked helpless, so I told her to ask him more questions. How old was mom when I was born? She listened, her brow gathered in little folds above her nose. He says he doesn't remember. I made a gesture with one hand that meant, I told you so. She went on, pacing. Which of my mom's arms did you twist that time, and then you said you were just joking? Were you joking, really? Really? What did you take from her sock drawer when you left? I tried to focus on the tea. More than ever, I wanted bars on our windows, chains across the door, a gun under my reading lamp, dogs in the hall, no phones, no emails. To think of her coughing or dying or sitting up at night in pain, but quiet. I wanted arms long enough to wrap twice around her. Any private eye could find that stuff out, I said. Doesn't your mom have a blog now? He could be reading that right now. He's trying to steal your identity or export you into slavery. Tell him not to call again. Her eyes got big. Her brow went flat. He can hear you. He wants to talk to you. I put the teapot down and took the phone. What? I said. What are you doing, man? He said. I recognized the voice. He called before and left messages, which I deleted. Who is this? I answered. And don't tell me it's Alex. We're not stupid. Why are you doing this? He groaned. I want to meet her. It's too late, I said, and when he didn't answer, I gave the phone back to my wife. I whispered, now he'll tell you something about you, something about when you were born. He'll say to just give him a chance. She watched me put our mugs on the counter and pour. She watched, listening to her dad for the last time. The End
0: Brian Bice was born in Jackson, Mississippi and attends UT at Chattanooga where he lives with his wife and cat. No Heroes, written and read by P.D.R. Lindsay. Listening time, 15 minutes, 19 seconds.
2: No Heroes by P.D.R. Lindsay. Here I am, driving the car, the old car, of course, not the new, Doing a quick two and a half kilometre dash from our select seaside suburb that's the real estate term, not mine. To the quiet estuary reserve. Why am I doing this? When what I had to do was plan the complicated menu for a wedding I'm catering Because the dog needs a walk. We have our priorities in this family, and the dog comes before me and mine. The car rackets along, held together with rust and Russian rivets. The other, a sleek European machine, is my husband's, but of course our boys drive it too. I've driven it just twice in the two years since we bought it. Women drivers, you see, they just aren't uh, they just aren't in the same class as men. Well, still, this rattler's a reliable old thing, and available when I want it. The dog crouching beside me is whimpering again. She's meant to be in the back, sitting quietly on the top of the spare tyre. Her voice rises. Oh, shut up and get in the back, I growl at her, my voice rising also. But she only moans and squirms nearer to me. I swallow a blistering yell. I've had this behaviour for four days. Poor Princess is on heat. I am smouldering. It's too darned hot. I've so much to do, yet I walk their dog. She leans briefly against me, one female seeking comfort from another. She's infecting me. I'm restless too. We are both searching for something. Mind you, I'm not really looking for what she's looking for. Not at my age. But, uh, hmm, if I had some blonde knight in shining armour... Galloped up now to take me away to his castle in the country I wouldn't say no to his offer Or his presence in bed Princess yaps in my ear And squeezes her head out of the quarter open window She keeps trying to hurl herself through the gap At any dog she sees She's not picky She whines longingly at a dachshund as we clatter past He's so low slung he'd need a ladder to reach her Listen girl, I tell her She turns sorrowful brown eyes on me and pushes her hot, fevered nose against my warm shoulder. It's her first time, and she doesn't understand what is happening. I've often wished for a daughter, another female in this family of testy, testosterone-rich males. All I get is a stupid bitch to talk to. But I feel I ought to say something. Sex isn't all it's cracked up to be, you know. She gives me a look. Clearly wondering what I know anyway. She's right. I don't know anything about sex apart from my husband's version. Have I missed something by being monogamous? That's something else I'll never know. Princess leans into me again, hot as a potluck dinner offering. No way are you allowed to have puppies, not until the men know how good a gun dog you are, I say, as I shrug her off, but gently and I ponder on her male-imposed restrictions. She spots another dog, an ugly bitzer, and attacks the gap in the window again. I mentally switch off and curse the four reasons which left me to cope with her. Reason one, my husband Brent. He's suddenly too busy to deal with her now. No time, he says as he rushes off to work at 7am. This way he manages an hour at the gym before heading for the building site. Got to keep fit, he tells me. He used to keep fit walking the dog. That is, before she came on heat. I was allowed to walk too. I tried hard to have a conversation while he pumped his legs and counted his arm swings. But his grunts didn't encourage communication. Brent's never been happier since he sold out the family farm and concentrated on being a master builder he built our house and a few more in the suburb including the two units on what was meant to be my large garden he can't resist the opportunity to make money by building the only money we ever had from farming came when he sold the place all subdivided for holiday homes I was badgered into the move to town he promised me a huge garden I really wanted a ten acre lifestyle block for myself yes and Brent did buy me one Halfway up a hill with a lovely view of Pohutokawa Bay's golden sand and the wonderful twisted Pohutokawa trees. It almost made up for losing the farm. You can build me something special up here, I told him. He did, but not for me. He sold the land for triple the price and got the job of building the new owner's home when I, just when I'd grown the windbreaks up to look like real trees. Oh, I'll find you a better place, he promised but bought the fancy sports car with some of the profits you like having that larder to yourself won't you he said when he took me for a drive in the new machine well I suppose I have but it's not the car I wanted or the life I want either reasons two three and four are our three big sons lean men like their dad they won't take Princess out anywhere either not likely they exclaimed The result is that the poor bitch has been shut in a small bitch box, which doesn't even have windows. Her howlings have annoyed the entire suburb. On the third day, I made a protest at breakfast. Oh, don't fuss, my husband said. She's not a wimp. She's a gun dog, a pedigree pointer. Don't you bring her in and spoil her. And don't let a dog at her. My three sons grinned hugely like three monkeys and nodded. Number one son's ponytail bobbed and bounced as he crammed in more toast. Oh, mum's put a rug in a kennel already, he spluttered. They all laughed. Why do they laugh at my kindness? Son number two flexed his biceps and admired his new tattoo. he just shaved his head again and looked a little pink and shiny through the stubble. You didn't spoil us, he said, so don't indulge the dog. But I think I did spoil them. I was always there for them and they've got so used to having me around that I'm just part of the house, like the furnishings. If Princess is a good gun dog, her puppies will sell. The boys are counting on that money. They'll expect me to puppy watch most evenings while they enjoy their social life. They won't remember to wash out the feeding bowls or do more than play with the pups. All that cleaning up and nursing will be too much trouble. Yet they plan to keep all that money to buy more guns. It's big money we're talking too But to shut Princess up in that box for 14 or 15 days Oh, of course I won't let a dog near her, I said I don't want puppies to take care of, I've enough to do Loud hoots and derisive snorts greeted my comments Arranging flowers and icing cakes, my oldest yelped Gardening, you mean, is that what you call work, laughed my middle boy Oh, no, no, she means getting the Rellies to stop fighting and smile for the wedding anniversary photograph, my youngest said. And they all slapped each other and hooted like tipsy chimpanzees. Even their father found their comments funny. Don't you laugh as well, I said. It's your fault they treat me like this. His mouth opened. Huh? he said. This summer, I have realised that my sons think that the gardening... The laundry, the cooking and the house-cleaning are done by robot, me. I'm here to do all the tedious chores for them and let them get on with real life. That's what men do and what mothers are for. Naturally, my specialty catering, garden weddings and anniversaries, it isn't worthy of consideration. Oh, don't worry about her, Mum. Just leave her. She's all right, my boys chorus every morning as they take off for work. At least take her out for a walk, I begged. The boys laughed. Not with a pack of dogs chasing us. They all agree. She has to be shut up until she's over it. Sounded like the classic male solution to me. If there's a problem, ignore it until it goes away. Of course, they know I'm too soft-hearted to leave her shut in. They rely on it. So every day I must take her for quick romps on the estuary beach when most dogs will be absent. Dog owners in this small community have set habits, just like my men. Princess leaves the window and hangs her head over my shoulder. Her breath pants out in blowtorch gasps, scorching my neck. I am relieved when we reach the estuary reserve. Just one camper van. The place is deserted. So there's plenty of space to park under the shady Pahutokawa trees. Now all I have to do is restrain Princess. I lasso the choke chain over her lean, bony head. She wriggles and whimpers, but I've got her. I open the door. She hurls herself out. I'm prepared now, a firm tug, and she crash lands sharply on my feet. The pathway slopes down between the trees to the beach, and I can see its full length. A couple and their dog make their way towards me. I wait, muscles tensed. Princess throttles herself in her efforts to reach the dog. He's a handsome Labrador of the sporting type. Deep-chested, broad-shouldered, wide-browed and tall. He walks politely beside his owners with all the good-natured breeding of his kind. More yellow than cream, he looks supremely fit. Princess goes bananas. His owners are young. A couple who hold hands and make eye contact like, like Brent and I once did. They're not on my planet walking past and unlocking their camper door without noticing us. A delicious smell gusts from the camper. Something like a a good steak and kidney pie with spicy undertones. Their dog sniffs appreciatively. Princess yanks the lead through my fingers, painfully pinching up several blood blisters. She bounds across to the camper, crying out and waggling her rump. But the Labrador, scenting the pie, follows his owners, leaping up. The camper rocks... The door swings shut in Princess's face She is devastated I grab the lead Just like a man, I tell her Stomach first, go nuts after She whimpers It's a quick walk to the beach As Princess is still stunned He might have looked like your dream hound, I say But Princess my dear, It's about time you were told That there isn't any such thing as the dog of your dreams No heroes in this world They've all got clay feet You have to do what you want for yourself. The surf is up. Great pregnant swellings of ice-green water are rolling in, pounding onto the beach. It may be a hot day, but the temperature is pleasantly cool here and my words are blown apart by a sudden gust from the sea. They scatter among the waves' froth. Then another wave crumples onto the beach and spits more foamy dampness back at me, wetting my cheek. It's as though my words have returned... I stop dead, listening The powdery beige-white sand so dry here above the high-water mark seeps through my socks I ignore its fine, gritty drift What was it I just said? Princess perks up and pounces in the driftwood around us She selects a knobbly piece and offers it to me I survey the empty beach let her off the lead and hurl the wood towards the sea There are no heroes That's it but I knew that anyway, didn't I? The men of our dreams all turn out to have sweaty socks, BO, dandruff or snotty noses. They scratch their groins and pick their teeth and have other nasty little habits. I've never met one who could transport me to a private world of delight, sexual or otherwise. I wish I had. And it's a little late to sigh for that now. Nor have I found a man who would shoulder all the burdens of my life and allow me to live a serene and peaceful existence existence content in my garden. And, let's face it, I'd have been a right Charlie to expect it. But I did, didn't I? In some soggy corner of my mind, I really believed that the man I married was the exception to the hard truth. That he could and should make me happy. That he is responsible for my life what a letter out for me my problems brent's fault how stupid i sit down rather suddenly just as princess returns to plonk the damp and well chewed driftwood into my lap there are no heroes i say it out aloud to test my theory princess drools over my hands panting eager for another retrieve "'I throw her stick away and she tears after it, "'showering me with a stinging cloud of harsh dry sand. "'I can almost hear a peal of trumpets "'and a crash of cannon heralding my understanding. "'I am responsible for my own life. Forty-five years it has taken me "'to understand that plain and simple fact. "'The peal of the trumpets "'becomes the cry of an agitated flight of oyster-catchers, "'and I whistle crossly at Princess. "'She bounds back, wet from the roaring surf, and I pick myself up briskly. Like Princess, I could howl at the world. Why the hell has it taken me so long to realise something so basic? I walk on, hurling the driftwood around. Princess bounces through the surf. The waves are too big for more than ankle-deep paddling, but we splash together, cooling off. Next time Princess comes on heat, I'll be ready and she can mate with a good-natured and keen pointer like herself. And this time the boys will find that, unless they do more of the work, I will take the biggest share of the money. I smile as I picture my son's faces. It's about time I stopped expecting these men of mine to make me happy. I have to do that for myself. I catch Princess and we turn back towards the car park. The first thing I'm going to do when we get home is talk to that real estate agent There's a 10-acre block on the hillside that I'm going to buy. And this time, Brent is going to build me a house.
0: PDR Lindsay has been successfully publishing fiction and tutoring writers for years. It's her life, a great life. She just wishes writing fiction paid the bills. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off copyright bound off and the respective authors all rights reserved visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories